Thank you so much for joining us for another uh, part of our series on Walk the World and what it looks like for us to be leaning in to local communities literally all around the globe and the issues that impact them. And I am thrilled to be welcoming two very knowledgeable uh, guests with us today to be speaking specifically to the topic of housing. And so I'd love for you all, thank you so much, first of all, uh, James and Lex, for, for joining us today. Um, as you know, today's discussions about housing in neighborhoods like the ones that Hope Print calls home in Syracuse, St. Louis, Kansas City. Um, and so I'm wondering if you would just wouldn't mind starting us off by sharing a bit about your own stories and experiences that bring you to this particular conversation. Yeah, I can start if you want. Um, my name is Alexa Geller. Uh, people call me Lex. I grew up here in Syracuse on the north side. Um, my parents both worked service jobs, and so I spent a lot of time with and around people who didn't look like me. Um, I quickly learned a lot about the idea that people move along all different paths in life, um, but that everybody kind of essentially wants the same things, right? Food, safety, uh, shelter, you know, a home, a place for free self-expression. So I went ahead and left Syracuse. I got my master's in landscape architecture, studied a little bit, and then came back to hopefully implement some of those skills to work on some of that stuff here. Awesome. Um, well, hello, this is like my first podcast, so that's awesome. Um, it's a pleasure to be a part of the call with you today. So thank you for the invite. Um, my name is James Russell and I'm an urban and regional planner. Um, I originally hail outside of uh, Northern Virginia and we're really no strangers to growth. Um, when I was younger, I remember we had pumpkin patches deer, dirt roads, you know, a lot of the small town feels. Um, however, quickly after development came into our community, everything kind of changed overnight. Um, new buildings was taken up all over the place. <laughs> Many of my favorite childhood hangout spots. Um, you know, we really started losing some of that small town feel. But um, over the next uh, decade or so, we became one of the fastest growing and richest counties in the nations. And uh, when I was growing up, I just really didn't realize how fortunate I was um, that my parents had the ability to own their own home. Um, unfortunately, for a lot of my neighbors, development was a barrier. Um, I witnessed many of my friends having to uh, relocate um, into more affordable and more available spaces. Um, our community character changed very quickly. Um, so just seeing my community uh, change so drastically and not seeing how everyone was able to take advantage of all the benefits really encouraged me to get into this field called urban planning. Beautiful. So both bringing different perspectives and experiences to this housing topic. And I know you could speak on a whole lot more um, than just this particular topic, but I'm grateful for you spending your time to kind of focus in on this key aspect of the work that, that Hope Print is up to and that is so crucial in our communities. So housing is a huge topic, right? Uh, there's so many different directions we could go with it. So we're just gonna scratch the surface today, but um, I wanna start off with some definition of terms. When we say housing, um, and even further, when we say housing equity, what do we mean? So to me, um, if I can go first, I guess, uh, housing is literally a, a place to eat, rest, to self-sustain with you and with your family, um, a, fa a place to feel proud of. And then I think a sense of ownership over the place that you live, whether you rent or own, you can still have kind of a sense of pride and ownership over that place. And I think that really is important to this idea of housing, but also somewhere to self-express. 
um, when we talk about a general idea of housing, we're usually talking about property that has traded hands over time. People don't typically build their own homes, you know, especially here in this city. Um, most often, sometimes there will be someone, excuse me, there uh, will, you know, there'll be a private seller or a real estate investor who owns the structure that people eventually will call home and then they'll sell it to them or they'll rent it out on a yearly or monthly basis. But that is the standard here in America. And I think it's also really important to, to talk about how people from other countries sometimes more traditionally share housing and may live more communally. Um, it's something that we don't see here in the States as much. And then when we talk about housing equity, we kind of talk about the development space in a way. Um, I think it's really important to understand that there are pools of money being shifted between hands of people that probably don't live anywhere close to where you call home. Um, and so in popular culture, housing equity may be a term that's often spoke about from the development space. You know, we're talking about large scale building projects that have discussions that are often quite removed from the people that live in their respective areas. And so often in that space, we're thinking about housing equity in terms of seizing potential for increased property and land values over time and having conversations about monetary investment infrastructure that actually doesn't make much room for, for people or for your neighbors in the conversation other than maybe a few public meetings if we're lucky for input. Um, my personal understanding though of, of housing equity as a citizen of this country and this city is that it shouldn't matter what background you come from. Um, you should have fair access to secure and clean roof over your head and the essential utilities to establish a safe place and a safe and stable household for you and your family. So that means being comfortable enough where you live. And I'm not talking about living lavishly necessarily. I'm talking more about having a solid structure you call home, one without leaks and mold, and maybe even more importantly, having enough space for you and your family to kind of spread their wings. Um, we're quite literally talking about creating human habitat here and, um, in the affordable housing space so often we see developers trying to like cram as many people as possible into one block housing structure in order to make their money back faster and there are certain standards that humans need to live by to feel comfortable enough to thrive right um i'm talking about having your own front door maybe having a bit of green space you can use to play or to garden in a place that's quiet enough that you can be with your thoughts at night and not be disturbed I think whether or not you own your home, you need these things. Um, and we can also start to kind of talk about housing equity in terms of being able to have a shot at the benefits of home ownership, you know, for people who haven't had that chance. You know, having a threat to your security blanket if you rent a home and something's happened where the space becomes unlivable, that stress can cause ripples in your personal life and your sense of stability and that affects your life far beyond the walls of the place you go to rest your head at night. So this is what we're trying to mitigate through equitable, equitable and affordable housing. Um, housing itself is the shelter, the utilities, housing equity is more of a chance at stability to sort of build resilience against an unstable market. Yeah, that was terrific. Um, that was also a terrific question. Um, 
I don't want to get like too meta too early in this podcast, but I think it really is an important question we want to ask our community members. Um, I found that most people have a different image of what a home is. To some, it's a 640 square foot apartment. Um, to others, it could be a shared basement. Um, to those who are a little bit more fortunate, it might be a 16,000 square foot house with a pool. Um, still at its core, I still believe people's definition of housing is um, an offer that a space that offers protections from the environment, um, um, as well as interaction with some sort of community, whether it's direct or indirect. The home can look incredibly different based on uh, what your family experiences are in this country. Um, I believe that the conversation over housing equity um, should always begin with what is a person's individual relationship with housing. Uh, remember, for some, housing could be generational and stable. Um, for others, it could have been, I've moved six times before I even reached the age of 18. Um, housing equity is generally about giving communities a shared uh, chance of economic opportunity. Um, I know that's kind of like a loaded word. So like, what does that mean? Uh, let me give you a personal example. My parents own their own home, um, as I kind of said at the beginning. Um, I was able to attend a school and receive uh, some of the economic benefits that came from the development that came to our community. Um, when they tried to move my community to an adjacent school district, my dad was able to organize community members and was able to convince leadership that we've paid taxes into this county for so long, we're not gonna go to a new school. He was only listened to because he paid taxes, home property taxes for 10 years before the schools came. So it was a, a really easy sell and it looked bad politically. Um, so equity to me is all about opportunity. We had the opportunity to receive the benefits of a growing community. Uh, many of my friends and family members did not. Um, they were, as, as property values rose, as their rent prices would change drastically, and they would go from one school district to the next, um, hopefully staying within the own county. But that was really not really up to them. So while I say there was like an adage we kind of had back home is that like, you know, rising tide lifts all waves. But at the same time, it's like, um, we weren't able to all ride the same proverbial wave of development. For some of us, it felt like a riptide. Um, so thank you. Those are excellent words. Thank you. Uh, so you all kind of touched on this a little bit in some of what you just shared, but maybe a little deeper dive into our next question here. Um, regarding, can you give us an example of housing inequities and or issues you've encountered in your work today? You've worked in some different communities from each other. We know it looks different in all different spaces, but just kind of paint us a picture with your words and, and what some of those examples have looked like? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, there's a lot of examples of that, um, but particularly ones that stick out to me are people of color's high concentrated proximity to detrimental environmental circumstances, like living in the urban infrastructure. Um, and I'm talking about like highway adjacent property, noise pollution, poor air quality, things like that. Um, if we look at the way that road and highway networks were formed in our cities and many others across the U.S. will see heavy traffic lives within, always within closer proximity to people who make the lowest incomes and have the lowest property values and the renters. Um, low property ownership levels pave the way for huge amounts of turnover in rental property, which leads to neglect and rundown property. People don't maybe don't have a sense of pride in their home as much because they are not able to have as great a stake in the condition of that property long-term. Um, 
they don't own it or they don't have the chance to own it. So it gets let go. Um, in rental situations, I would say from personal experience, my own rental experiences, there's often a great deal of disconnect between tenants and landlords in terms of, you know, things being maintained or broken things getting fixed. I think a lot of times you're at the privy of the landlord who may also not even live in the community or anywhere near the community. So there's that disconnect there that happens between the sense of responsibility falling on the people and the property itself. Um, something that I think of that's not related to housing is the recycling system in Europe, right? So here in America, we have all the responsibility for recycling on the people that buy products and there, uh, the responsibility falls on the people that make the products. So there's a lot more consideration and a lot more care being taken to make sure that system works efficiently and less, does less you know, damage environmentally. Um, there's also like this systemic nature of subsidized housing projects and just their lack infinite lack of resources. Um, with low-income housing projects, the powers that be tend to place emphasis almost wholly on the details of the homes. Um, and that conversation steers around activity and quality of life. So if you build 1,400 units of affordable housing, and you don't include any transportation infrastructure or a grocery store, you know, you're putting people essentially at an even further disadvantage. So I just want to stress that I think we need to think about programming hand in hand with these projects, work training, educational programming, community navigation services, and like assistance for folks to build up their lives to get stronger. Yeah, um, as stated, it's housing is very interconnected. It's um, how do I begin? So first of all, for all of you who have had like difficulty finding access to funding or being able to approve a home loan, um, I understand your struggle. You're all seen and you're heard. Um, housing and especially land ownership in this country has always been approved. Um, traditionally, people of color, especially those from immigrant populations, um, I found it incredibly difficult to navigate the system we call housing. Um, <clears throat> from this inception of this country, your rights as a citizen were only acknowledged if you own land. Um, for many of those reasons, um, we're currently finding it very difficult um, to inherit land on our own. Um, even today, many political processes, including um, decision-making still value, kind of like with the example I shared earlier, um, some of family members can only be listened to just because you pay taxes that fund the government. Um, that's kind of the inner, the, the, the connected inner workings of how the government and housing is related is what's important. Um, know that the obstacles that you face are not necessarily fail, but I also want to instill that there is some hope. It's It kind of hope gives gravitas to how important um, trying to find access to housing and securing your housing really, really is. Um, I know it seems a lot of really insurmountable, but it's really a it's a really step-by-step -step process. And you'll find that by going through the housing process, you'll have a better grip of your own understanding of economics and your community. So don't give up. Seriously, do not give up. Housing is important and is the fastest way to generating wealth in this country. So please don't give up. That's a really good, good word. Thank you, James. I, I, on this next question, I wonder, James, if you can start us off to change it up a little. Um, like I know you just spoke to how easy it is when, when people and families are, are facing these issues. It could be so demoralizing and so overwhelming. Um, and and com housing compiled, piled up on top of so many other things as well. Um, but 
there are ways for us to come together and address these things, um, I believe. And so what are some of the ways you've seen communities organize to address housing inequity, especially through the lens of equitable community development work? Well, awesome. Another great question. You're killing it. Um, I think it requires a mix of top down and like bottom up approaches to find a solution to housing. Um, I say top down, even though that's not necessarily the belief I, I hold to be the most powerful, but it is currently the way the system works. Um, what do I mean by being top down? That means going to meetings. That means being part of your uh, local planning session. Um, that means understanding who is running for your county commissioners or, or however it's done in your state, who is your elected officials. Um, that information is was tied up to our housing insecurity in the past. So it's hyper important that you're aware of that kind of stuff. Um, going to community, as public servants, they have a, a, a duty to listen to you. So please, as citizens, as people, as community members, please communicate your needs. Um, it's one of the only tools we really have against development, if you think about it. Um, if you take advantage of understanding your community and trying to create some sort of plan of growth or where you want growth to be or how you want your community to look, I always like this exercise of saying, um, where do I wish my community was like? What is a couple of communities I wish my community was like? And then a couple of them humdrum, like, what are some of those communities I don't want to be like? Um, it really helps me get an understanding of what our strengths and our weaknesses are. Put it on a plan, put it on a piece of paper. When you do that, when development comes, it says, well, we're going to change your community. It's like, great, awesome. These are the seven resources we identified. How are you going to help? Oh, um, mm, hmm, money. So it's like by having these plans, you've been able to frame this conversation. So that's kind of my top-down approach. Advertly, the bottom-up approach, bottom approach is community engagement, um, kind of the same answer, but being involved in the process, you're allowed to express your needs and your concerns for the community. Um, I always say it like this, you know, the best place, I'm, I'm full of like these little tidbits, but um, the best time to plant an apple tree was five years ago. The second best time is right now. It's never too late to take advantage of what's happening in your community. And because this is a pandemic, it's and thank you for everyone that's here and I hope everyone is staying safe. Um, but there's a lot of resources coming out from the federal government. And if you don't have a plan, <laughs> they're not gonna give you money. Um, so it's just preparing yourself. It's all about building resilience. So I've talked a lot for that, so I'll pass. Uh, what do you have to say, Lex? So you touched on a lot of great uh, methods there, James. Thank you so much for covering that. Um, I think that land banking and land trusts are something worth researching if that's something that's right for your community. Um, I think community forums are super important, whether that be held in person or digitally. Coming together to establish an alliance may give you um, a more powerful hand in what happens in the community than you maybe feel you have just as an individual. Um, it's not necessarily about the house or the shelter. It's about, like James said, the equity, um, about jobs, about having a place to buy food and supplies, you know, where you bring your children while you're, you're at work and how you get to and from that workplace. All those systematic approaches um, need to be talked about, you know, communally and in, in the group setting. Communication is everything to me, and that's not even just for this, it's a life thing, but it's everything in, in housing too. You know, having these conversations is so important in every setting. 
just bringing up these issues in in various community circles you may find yourself in whether you go to a tnt meeting and bring the stuff up that's outside of the agenda or you know you begin to have conversation with your children's teachers or you know find their their classmates parents you call them up and say listen I know you live in our neighborhood. Have you heard of Project A? I would like to talk with you about collective impacts on our families with Project A. Could we find some time to discuss this? Talk with people at the grocery store. You know, I think online tools also have been really helpful though, just you know, being able to zoom in, making it easier for more people to come and join in the conversation. Of course, in person is always what we see as most effective, but we can communicate down more avenues this way. Um, and I think partnerships are really important too, like looking to other organizations in the community that might help you get to your goals. Um, FIPS is something we can talk about that James showed me um, actually earlier um, along, you know, a housing development. This organization partners with local workforce training and educational organizations to grant opportunities um, to everyone in their communities. But uh, it's, it's important to incorporate those different uh, platforms into the conversation. That's a, that's a very good point. Um, uh, in wraparound services is kind of what it's called. It's like, how do you look at just one aspect of housing, which is just how do you stay home, housed, um, protected from the elements, the community, but also how do you help those in your community transport or get from place A to B? How do you help those um, become more financially literate? How do you understand that there are some barriers to get into this first step of housing? How do we get there first? How do I hold a job? How do I find a place to take a shower? Is it? Right. So um, that's a very good, very good point. It's excellent. And, you know, a lot of people that are, are watching this or listening to this may themselves find, you already spoke to it, James, if you're in that space, right? Don't give up. Um, as people are facing these issues, you know, what, one of the things you all touched on in this is taking back the power. Like, what are ways to take back the power? Um, and I know this is a little bit of an addition from some of the questions I originally shared with you, but you, we really can't talk about housing without talking about racial inequity and as it comes into play in this. And um, so as we, as we think about this, a number of people that are listening or watching have themselves experienced housing inequity that corresponds to racial inequity. Um, what, can you just kind of speak to that and, and how does one find agency and take back the power in their housing, especially in light of racial inequities that are you know, historic and pervasive throughout the housing um, issue? Wow, that's an incredible question. It's incredibly important as well. Um, well, history is important. Um, um, it's important, I think, in this process to let people know that they are felt and they're heard, that um, it's loud and clear that there's a struggle in it. Um, there's a couple of, art, I guess, a couple of resources I would I kind of recommend. Um, I believe it's called The Hidden Rules of Race. Um, it's a book. It's phenomenal. It kind of brings down, like, it's an economic book, so bear with me. But it brings down kind of like, there's like maybe 13 rules or so that like that are make it difficult for people of color in society and it's just how you use your lens it's um, to me I like by being honest and speaking to the truths um, we can kind of get the fastest way of cutting red tape so um, I need these resources because why well, and I feel like in current society it's always prove yourself why do you need this resource 
in the 80s, a lot of development was tell me how bad your community is so we can come and save you. Um, and now it's kind of geared towards tell us how beautiful your community is so we can help you grow. Um, but there's a lot of mistrust from there, from the government aspect. So I guess to answer your question all the holistically, um, call your city council members, uh, call your local planning organizations, whether it's nonprofits or for-profits or state agencies, um, get a plan together. Um, and then find one of those contacts. There are people who work in the government who are there to help communities prosper. Find out who that is, find out whose job it is to listen and make them listen you'll have some sort of skill set to have some sort of plan together. Um, I keep harping on that because that's kind of what my role is right now. Every day I see these planning documents come across and if they hit this metric of proving themselves they need it, they get access to funds. But by taking ownership and by doing it yourselves as a small community and building up, you can actually get what's needed to be done, not just infrastructure dollars here and there. So I think it's a really good opportunity but make yourselves loud and clear. Talk, write letters, organize yourself. One voice, one stick is a lot larger than, uh, excuse me, many sticks is a lot larger than one stick. Yeah, I would just kind of piggyback off of what James is saying. I mean, I'm a white woman, so I have, you know, you can take this for it's what it's worth, but I just believe that getting your voice out there is the most important thing to speak, to not stop speaking about how you feel and vocalizing that. And if that means that you have to really write down what it is that you're missing or you need, then that can help you kind of bring those things forward. But then finding out who your representatives are locally um, for the county, for the city, and then both formally and informally, like get yourself out to some community meetings, whether or not they're for housing, um, it's, you know, it, the more the merrier, like the more that you get your voice out there, the better. Um, and you might find connections with people in those circles that you didn't know existed or you didn't know somebody was also going through the same thing. So just making sure that your voice is heard and speaking up as much as possible and really pestering people in a way, I know that's not a great word, but just getting that information out there until, you know, bugging people, um, especially your representatives. I think we, we go further together. So communication is super important. If you're able to form sort of an alliance with your community members, your neighbors, that will bring you forward. Um, you know, with a little bit more power. Absolutely. And, you know, when you build that power, I, I was in a, a meeting the other day where someone was talking about a squeaky wheel group, right? Like that the kind of to key in on what you were just saying, Lex, about how they have some persistent issues that they keep rising and everyone sees them as the squeaky wheel, mm -hmm. yet things still get done. Um, which is an interesting kind of dynamic, right? The, the squeaky wheel gets the, the most airtime and oftentimes people wanna make the squeaky wheel be quiet. And so they do things for the squeaky wheel, but on the flip side, that's not always how it works, right? Sometimes the squeaky wheel, especially when we're, we're talking about inequity being at play, they, it can get people written off or perceived in a certain way. Um, so to build just a little bit more on that question, um, when you show up in those spaces and it might create that kind of tension, right? That I'm raising an issue and it's raising attention to you who are in power, especially if you are someone who's not elected, right? Because I think that's actually really key. When someone's elected, the voice of the people have a different impact, but there's all kinds of officials that are not elected. They're, you know, they're posted in these positions. 
And oftentimes that speaking truth to power or that raising of a concern in a consistent way can, can be a fine line to walk. Is there anything you all can kind of speak into in that? Yeah, um, I think that's a really, really important point. Um, I like to say, use your privilege if you got it, um, no matter where you are. If you can afford to pay that price, it's almost your obligation to pay the price if you can afford it. Um, if you cannot, do what you can do to help make the world a better place for those that come after you. I think it's really simple. Um, I know it's really important and it's people's lives we're talking about. Uh, but again, I mean, <laughs> housing is that, that important. It's, it's your right. It's understanding the history that they don't want people to own homes. <laughs> so own a home. <laughs> It is still the fastest way to generate wealth in your community. Uh, I know, I know, it's it's incredibly tough, it's incredibly tough. But I'll just say it again: if you can afford to pay the price, do what you can to pay it, or ease the burden of those who do have to pay. But that's not an excuse not to say anything or not to act. That's yeah, cool. I don't, I don't have much to add, just other than the best way to uh, bring some proof or bring some power behind your words is to be that example um, to like James is saying go through the process and be an example for others around you and for the representatives or whoever it might be you're trying to reach to show them I've gone through steps a b and c now I need your help to get me through this portion like let's work together how do we do this how do we get this done and I absolutely and I think in what both of you are saying you're highlighting a key piece if you have privilege it's not it's an automatic for you to access it but what's important is you need to leverage it towards equity purposes right so for anyone who's listening who has that privilege you have a responsibility to to work towards equity right which i like to define i've borrowed this from a friend um, as as giving or investing the most in those who need or could stand to gain the most, right? Equity can be defined so many ways. Um, but when we look around the housing issue, it, it doesn't take rocket science for you to identify those who need or could stand to gain the most. And so any one of us who don't fall into that category, one might also say have privilege, at least at some varying degree. And so what is our responsibility in that? You know, I think another thing that those who those of us who've had just access period to a broader world, we've gotten to maybe travel to a different city or see all different kinds of neighborhoods, right? Those are, those are aspects that don't exist in everyone's life. And so not everyone has a picture in their head of like what neighborhoods could actually look like. Um, so if we, if people want to learn about some examples, so let's say I'm, I'm, you know, just living on the block and I want to see my neighborhood be a better place. Um, but I can't, I want to be able to paint that picture that you guys are talking about. I want to be able to make a plan, but I need some just snapshots of what could actually my neighborhood, right? Like in all of its realities and all of its diversity, its cultures, its um, different dynamics, socioeconomic dynamics, um, familial dynamics, you know, you name it. Those things being at play, are there any examples out there where you've seen um, what, what success, I don't know if that's the, the best word, right. But what it would actually look like to be successful at addressing some of these housing and issue, um, inequities that we're talking about. Um, and, and where might they find that besides just typing into Google quality neighborhood development projects with a good reputation or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
You want this one or would you like me to go? Go ahead. You can start out. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, so to answer your question, it's it's kind of hard. Definitely don't want to recommend typing in good communities. That <laughs> good because you'll find that that community won't look like you, or you'll find that if you pursue those same goals, you might displace yourself. Um, right. So I think there's a um, couple of different organizations, but I kind of want to just kind of think a little bit more big picture. There's a couple of different ways you can go about impacting your community. Um, if you have the resources, like a big developer, you can build brand new affordable units. Um, realistically, that's, that's a pretty big cost. Uh, you can do it affordably through some affordable housing process, but that takes time and that takes resources and not everyone has that. So I, I like to say, okay, what's a little bit lighter lift? And those are for working with organizations who are in the nonprofit realm that um, try to work with a, creating new affordable units, taking older buildings and converting them to a permanently affordable or um, finding areas near transit stations and trying to convert those buildings into um, a little bit more uh, D word density, but basically having more people access to a limited amount of resources without having a lot of waste or cost. Um, there's a, uh, and then if that's still a little bit too much, it's uh, to get organized politically to talk to your city council um, again and trying to get some sort of idea. But where can you go to see, what do I understand this? There's a document called the Out of Reach Report. Um, I think it's phenomenal. It really gives community members an understanding of how much does it cost in minimum wage dollars? Uh, does it cost to live in my community? So everyone says, oh, it costs, you know, rents, $1,100 for a one bedroom or, or whatever it may be in your community. Um, this document helps you understand how much that's 200 or that's 128 uh, hours I need to work a week and that's just not feasible. So kind of it's a tool that help you frame your conversation to leadership to the political processes. Instead of telling them my rent is this much and it's this expensive. It's I am a single mother. I'm an ex. I make X. I have to work 85 hours a week at minimum wage just to afford uh, rent, but that's, that's, that's not feasible. Um, so being able to speak the language and trying to understand the resources. Um, Lex? Yeah, the out of reach report is great. Um, it'll break down for you studio, one bedroom, two bedroom even, so you can get to really see the data there and it has every county in the US, I think, people would be surprised at that number, those numbers for Onondaga County. I think it's like, you need to be making $17 an hour full-time to be able to afford to rent a two bedroom a house or apartment. Um, so those things really help you bring when you go to your representative, like James was kind of saying, and say, this is you know where, what my situation is, that helps you bring some, some, there's proof in the pudding there, so to speak. Um, and I think also, uh, just sit down and literally start to compile a list of what you need in your life. I know that can be daunting and that sounds like a, a very pointed thing to think about and it can be overwhelming, um, but just, you know, take some time and think about what services are you unable to access? What, what are you missing out on? What do you need to thrive? Um, what do you need to feel proud of where you live? What would help you large or small so that you can kind of compartmentalize that information and then start to have conversations around that set in stone with your neighbors or with people at work or school or whatever it may be. Um, I think it's, it's again, really important to have that to bring to people's attention so that you can 
you can connect on that, that level. Absolutely. And for those of you who are listening, um, we'll, we'll share these resources that are being listed. If you go to the, um, if you're watching on YouTube and you go down into the notes there and or on the podcast, same thing, you'll find links um, to these different websites and or resources so that you can easily um, go track them down because those sound like some fantastic leads. Thank you so much for, for sharing them and for sharing all this. And, you know, the joy of, of doing a podcast or a, an interview at all is that I get to write all these questions. Um, but I always like to end with, with the, the catch-all question because you have so much wisdom to drop on us, I'm sure. But is there anything else important that you want to make sure we don't miss for today's conversation? Yeah, I mean, this this work um, influences all aspects of life, not just your shelter. Um, this has effects on the way you live your life. So it's very important to start thinking about these things and um, realize that these projects are, are happening um, and that we, we do as citizens, as community members have a say in the way that development and projects get steered. We just have to get ourselves in that space. Um, this, you know, this isn't something that should be left up to the, the people that are fortunate enough to be able to be at the decision-making table. You know, our voices are powerful and it takes 10 seconds of courage to initiate a huge change um, and to get yourself in the place to be able to be at that table. Um, the development I think is inevitable, you know, because somebody has a multi-million dollar amount of capital to invest in a project, but they don't maybe don't come from the neighborhood or live there. So, you know, we just need to, I want to reemphasize the importance of making sure your voice is heard and that you're being addressed because these are our neighborhoods. Um, you know, by coming together over this stuff, we create that momentum that is needed to steer that development in a way that works for us. Um, don't give up your power by not speaking up, you know, in person, in a letter, on a social platform, um, having these conversations will get us to um, where we need to be and to take the steps, to start to take the steps to take back the power of change in the development in our neighborhoods. Terrific. Um, well, let's see. Uh, when thinking about housing, um, it's essential not to forget about the people who are currently unhoused. Um, the system has failed uh, many people and commonly many of the unhoused are from your community or from your region. Um, it's a myth that a lot of uh, those who are currently unhoused have just come from someplace else and just settled uh, near your community. Um, the truth is um, they probably are from your community and just have not received the same access resources that you um, have provided or been able to have. So just be kind. Um, I suspect in the next five years or so, housing will be taken with the, the, the necessary gravitas as it needs to be taken. But right now it's extremely important to remain vigilant and understanding what your community benefits are, how your community wants to grow, understand what changes are gonna happen in your community. What do your children wanna see? Um, how are your children gonna be um, uh, daycare, things like that. Um, finally, um, with all that being said, do not be exclusionary. Um, it's uh, incredibly important to create a, divide, a diverse range of housing, uh, being it single family homes, uh, uh, preferably not, but if need be, uh, apartment complexes, bungalow courthouses, a bunch of different styles. Because um, if you only just try to end up doing that high-end luxury look, again, you might just find yourself. Thank you. Yeah, um, 
and at that same in that same vein, like high end luxury, you know, space, we value now space from like a a um, quantitative standpoint, right? Like certain amount of square feet equals certain amount of dollars. Um, but I think we can go ahead and think about space as uh, you know equity as well. Thinking about how much room you have outside of your the confines of the walls that you live within, right? Like we need a, a certain amount of green space to be able to process the world at hand and be able to feel free enough to self-express. Um, I think that we need to be able to get outside too and not just like create housing projects for people, 300 people to live in this building. We need to make sure that those 300 people also have enough space outside of that as individuals to be able to move around and feel free. Um, I think the importance of green space is something we can also start to talk about too. And you know, having that play a role in just lowering um, challenging things like mitigating certain things in communities like violence and um, just, just generally like beauty, like making the place that you live, making sure that it's beautiful and you can feel proud to live there, like to, to be a part of that community. I think that's really important as well, but that could probably bring us into a whole other podcast episode, which we can do some other time. <laughs> That was beautiful. The, I always liked the, the home is where the heart is. So like we have the really good opportunity to put our hearts on our sleeves and really tell us what, what we want to be, what do we want to become. So continue to do what you can do. Remember you are enough. So thank you for what you're doing, but don't give up. This was fantastic. Thank you all so much. And you know, what I love is that it's recorded and we're going to be able to share it so broadly with so many people who I really feel like need to hear your voices. And so thank you for offering up your time and the, the little tiny piece we got to get of all the, the wisdom and insight that you have to offer um, in this moment with us together. So thank you so much. And uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, I hope that you walked away with at least one thing. I imagine you actually walked away with a whole lot more than one thing, but at least one thing um, that gave you food for thought and, and even better, an action step that you really can and feel compelled to take um, when it comes to this topic area. So thank you all so much. Thank you for those of you who joined us and we'll look forward to joining you for our next episode. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Nicole, for giving us the platform to discuss some of this stuff. You know, it's not something that we get a chance to talk about in this format a lot. So appreciate you giving us this platform and um, please anyone feel free to reach out if there's questions or you need guidance or advice, like definitely find us through her, you know, her, that platform. And Absolutely. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure y'all. Y'all have a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye.